0: Amen. What a joy it is to be here and to be here at this special time. You know, they call, they call the, the preaching at the ordination, they call it a charge. I'm supposed to, I'm supposed to bring a charge to, uh, uh, to, to, to Brother Tyler. And um, so I'm excited about the opportunity to do that. Um, let me see what I need to do here. Well, give me just a second. I'm, uh, maybe that's the one I need to get rid of. I have done something here to this that I, uh, I put all my notes on my iPad. And uh, beings that in one week I'll be 70 years old, I'm not necessarily a young guy in those all electronics, so I've got a, I've got a, here we go, I think, no, that's not... I got a split screen here. Do you know how to get rid of that? Okay. Turn around. Oh, there it goes. Okay. Oh, yeah. It goes, it circles. It does circles. Um, I'm serious. Do you know? Oh, there we go. Never mind. I think I got it here. No, that's not it. Well, hi. How are you? So glad to be here tonight. They're they're offering free tours across the street. There we go. Thank you very much. Thank you. Did you hear me? Where am I? No, they're having free tours at the nursing home across the street. A nursing home? Yeah, can I no, take no, you that's, over there? No, I live you? in the nursing home. Oh, okay. That's, that's where I... Okay. All right. Um, take your Bibles if you would please return to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12. It sincerely is my joy to be here and to be a part of this event. Uh, I have had the privilege of watching uh, Pastor Tyler grow up and and uh, watch his progression over the years, and it's been a thrill to watch. This past year, year and a half, has been a excitement to uh, be able to help and spend time with him and and uh, try to be an encouragement. I do think either of those other men, Brother Arbo or Brother Odom, I think either of you would have been a good choice, but I'm thankful for the, for the opportunity. Um, I want to take just a few minutes. As I said, uh, as, or as, uh, uh, as Pastor McKay said, um, uh, uh, the idea of preaching a message just to one person is just so foreign in my thinking. I, don't, I, don't, I just don't think I can do it. I have to have something that everyone can benefit from um but uh, but I do want to pay uh, special attention of course to uh to the reason we're here tonight and um I believe the things I'm going to talk to you about tonight are things that you already have in your heart. I don't think I'll tell you anything new. What I hope to do tonight is try to try to promote uh, a deeper commitment to those things. That's all I'm trying to do tonight. Is I believe you already I uh, already know them, I believe you're already committed to them, but I want to encourage you in that direction in your life. Um, if you look at me at Luke chapter 12 and, and verse 1, I'm not going to read my text verse for a few minutes because I, don't, I, I want to kind of sneak up on it. Uh, what I mean by that is I want to lay a groundwork first, and then I'll get there. So I'm not going to tell you my title or my, uh, my text message or my text uh, verse uh, for just a few minutes, but... Um, I just want to show you what is happening in this chapter of the Bible for a contextual basis of why we're here. What 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 what's going on? What brought up uh, the question and the answer that I want to share with you tonight? What brought it up? Um, in Luke chapter 12, beginning verse 1, the Bible says, "In the meantime, when there were gathered together an innumerable multitude of people, insomuch that they trode one upon another." Let me just stop that and say. You know, have you ever been to something with so many people that you feel like you're just walking on each other? You can hardly move without walking on somebody. Maybe uh, uh, maybe a sale at the mall, or or maybe some uh, some event. Uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, that, 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 that folks are going to, and you can kind of you can kind of feel that you, you've been in something like that. And he says it's innumerable. They, they, too many people even try to count them, and uh, and in so much that they trod upon one another. They couldn't hardly move without without running into uh, each other. And since he, talk about the Lord, began to say unto his disciples, first of all, now the context here I want you to see is there's innumerable group of people and the Lord is dealing with his disciples because they are going to have to one day deal with that innumerable, uh, that innumerable number of people. Uh, uh, these are these are, uh, uh, these are who they are going to be sent forth to. These are the people that they're going to have to uh, deal with. So in this great congregation, this great crowd of people, um, the Lord has something to say to them. And the next several verses, I'm not going to read them all, but the next several verses is the Lord telling them things. He says, uh, he says first of all, beware of the leaven of, of the Pharisees. So he begins by warning them. He said, you're going to be, uh, he said, when you get the uh, when you get the whole crowd after you, you're going to be—you're going to be tempted sometimes. Uh, they're going to want to have you look at things their way. They're going to want to have you have you have you uh, uh, look at look at certain scriptures or look at certain ideas or look at certain uh, practices their way. And uh, he says, beware of that. Don't don't let them don't let them get now. They won't all be Pharisees. Some be godly uh, people who just want, want you know. I've said I've said many times that um, if I make an announcement in, in my church. From the time I leave the pulpit until I get to my office, I can get 10 or 15 suggestions of how to handle that, you know? And the thing is, if I pick one of them, if I say, hey, that's a great idea, and I pick that one, I have to reject the other 14. Then all those other people feel rejected, you know? Because everybody's always telling you, do it this way, do it that way, do it here. And people are going to tell you that in the work of the church. They've already been and people are going to do more. And I'm not. I'm not getting. I'm, bad, I'm not talking bad about people. I'm just saying it's reality. That's what's going to take place. And so as that does, Jesus was trying to tell them. Said, don't, don't, don't give in to the pressure of the innumerable people. And you'll see why here in here, just a few minutes. And so, I, as I said, I just want to give you some of the highlights of some of the things that he's saying to him. He says, Beware of the living of, of other Pharisees, which is hypocrisy, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, neither hid that shall not be uh, uh, be known. In verse 3, he says, Therefore, whatsoever you uh, have spoken in, in darkness shall be heard in light, and that which you have spoken in the ear in closets shall be proclaimed upon the housetops. He's warning him. He, say, he says, He says, Look it. Uh, the things you think you're saying in private are going to be heard in public. You need to be understanding of what um, of what the pressures on you are going to be. So he warns them first. And then he encourages them. If you go all the way down to verse 7, the Bible says, But even the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, therefore, ye are of more value than the sparrows. He says, look at. Even though all these pressures are going to be coming upon you, you need to understand, I'm going to be with you, and I know you. I understand you. I even know how many hairs there are on your head or in... Cases like mine, how many are not there. But, um, but uh, 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 you know, I, I comb my hair every morning. And looking in the mirror this way, I think I have a pretty good head of hair. Not cute, but I think it's pretty good. And then every once in a while I see a picture from the back. You know? And I go, that's not me. My wife goes, oh yeah, that's you. I said, no, that can't be me. I can't see that in the mirror at all. But uh, but uh, so listen, listen. Um, uh, you uh, you understand? God knows everything about you, every detail, even the hairs of you, all your hair numbers. Now that's, in my opinion, supposed to be an encouragement to you. All these pressures are come from everywhere. But God knows every little detail about you. He's on your side. He loves you. He's the one who called you into this. He'll be there for you. Jesus instructs them concerning covetousness. This becomes a big issue down in verse in verse thirteen, and um, and, uh, and, he, and 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 through verse uh, twenty one. If you jump all the way down to verse twenty one, he says, "So, so he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God." We'll come back to that. He said that's the problem with covetousness. That's the problem with getting uh, interested in in stuff and things and and and, and all the things you can amass yourself he said you gotta be careful because if you get distracted by that sort of stuff he said you're not going to be rich toward God obviously that's the priority to be rich toward God by the way I said this a few moments ago when I started you understand that everything I'm saying to retire today is also true to every one of us the, the question of our life is not where you live what your income is, what kind of car you drive. Now, I have, I have no care. If, people are, uh, if God has blessed people's lives and they got nice stuff, that's great. I have no problem with that at all. The question is, are you rich toward God? Is your relationship with God a rich one? Do you know how to talk to Him and spend time with Him? Do you know how to draw things out of His Word? Is your relationship with God a rich relationship? That's a priority. So he's, again, these things he's telling him along the way, he's saying, listen, watch out for this, be encouraged by this, understand this. He said in verse, in verse 31, but rather seek ye the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added unto you. The priority is the kingdom of God. The priority is God and what God's doing and God's work, that's the priority. I hope you didn't enter the ministry and become wealthy. Some do. You can see them on TV every, every week. Some do. But that's not what the harder thing is. Now, if God blesses you and God, God gives you, gives you, you know, nice things, that's, that's, that, that's wonderful. But that can't be your motive. It can never be your motive. You've got to understand. He instructs against covetousness, against making possessions. He said in verse 34, he said, Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Jesus reminds them to watch for His coming. Down in verse 37, He says, Blessed are those, are those servants whom the Lord, when He cometh, shall find watching. Verily I say unto you, that He shall gird Himself and make them sit down uh, to meet, and will come forth and serve them. Interesting. He says, he says, when He cometh, if you're doing the work He's given you, that means not distracted by the people, not distracted uh, uh, by the possessions, not distracted by, 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 by the problems. You're doing the work that God has called you to do. He said, then the master will be pleased. When the master shows up, he'll sit down. He'll actually have you sit down. He'll gird himself and serve you. He says, that's what he's looking for. And we need to realize, you know, I think most of us would understand that as we look around the world today, we're closer to the Lord's coming. I don't know when it's going to be. And I, there's, there's no day. He didn't give us a date. He said no man can know the day or the hour. So, you know, so, so it's, it's, it's fruitless. And I think a little foolish to try to figure that stuff out. Because okay? he said you can't know. But we can know that he's coming. He said he was. Somebody says, well, yeah, he said that 2,000 years ago. Exactly. That means he's 2,000 years closer exactly no he's coming will it be in my lifetime I don't know I don't know I think it would be fun to go to heaven with the rapture I think it would be fun I've always wanted to fly I usually met with an airplane but I I, I was I think it would be fun but will it happen in my lifetime I don't know but every generation of Christians since the time of Christ has been looking for his coming and he's coming one day he will, and he says, he'll come. He even calls it like a thief in the night. He says, you may not have um, a, a warning. You may not have it. He said, he'll come. And so through all of these things, he's explaining to his disciples. If you get down to verse, 40, uh, uh, verse 41, it says, Then Peter said unto him, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? Peter asked an interesting question. He says, Lord, there's all these people around here, and you're talking about these. things." Remember, at the very beginning of this, he said that he was, that, that in, 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 the, in the presence of all these people, he talked to his disciples. He, he spoke to the disciples. And now Peter says, Lord, is all this stuff you're saying, is this for us or is this for everybody? There's a verse over Mark that says, when I speak to you, I speak to all. So he, just like I'm trying to do tonight, there was a part of it that was for them. And then he intended it and hoped that would go to some other people as well. But the main, the, main, the main push of it was to them. But that's not exactly how he answered the question. Look what he said. Paul said, I mean, I mean uh, uh, Peter said, Lord, speakest thou this parable unto us or even to all? And the Lord said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household. People say, don't answer a question with a question. The Lord just answered a question with a question. I don't know about you. When the first time I started reading this, I started, tried to really tried to make this, the, the, the sense of it. I was going, okay, well then, then, what was the answer? Lord, is this for us or is this for everybody? Who then is a the faithful and wise steward? almost go well that seems confusing that doesn't seem like, a, like an answer oh but it's an answer alright we have a school in our church and because we have a school we have things happen pranks different things people do stuff kids write things on walls just, I mean just you know every once in a while something happens we feel like we got to get to the bottom of it and I'm, I always try to be creative how to get to the bottom of it you know but I remember one time I got all the kids uh, together, the kids that would, would have been involved in this particular area. I got them all together, and I started talking to them as though I knew who it was that did it. And they're all looking like this. And all of a sudden, one kid goes, goes you know, I said something about who did this, and he said, he said, he said, he said well, well, I wouldn't do something like that. And I said, that I'm not talking to you. And I moved on and kept on until one kid started crying. <laughs> I got him anyway. Um, uh, this, but, uh, but 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 he said, "I said to that to to, to that one boy that I'm not talking to." I'm the whole crowd, but I'm not talking to you. I believe that's the same kind of thing, the same part of what the Lord said here. He said, "You know," Peter said, "Are you talking to us?" And he said, "Who's the faithful and wise steward?" He said, the one who's faithful and wise will be the one that'll listen to what I have to say and take it to heart. It was possible even some of his disciples may not have taken to heart what he was saying that day. I know, and I'm not trying to be unkind or mean, but I know I preach every Sunday to people who let it go in one ear and out the other and never take it to heart. Jesus was talking to people And he said, you know the one I'm talking to? I'm talking to the one who will listen to me and apply what I'm saying. That's the one I'm talking to. I'm talking tonight. Hoping that someone will take to heart the things we say and apply them to their life. Now, I hope not just you. I hope there's other people here that will take those principles. They're good principles. They're not just for you. But I hope other people take them. I hope you'll benefit from them. But I hope others will as well. So what did he tell him? He said, Who then is that faithful and wise steward, whom his Lord shall make ruler over his household, to give them their portion of meat, in due season. He tells him two things here that these faithful and wise stewards will do. One is they'll take the, they, they'll take the leadership role. They'll be ruler over the household. You know, that sounds a little bit like a bishop, a person who takes the lead. He said, I'm hoping somebody who's faithful and wise that I can, you know, will take the lead that I can appoint over uh, the household. And then he says, he says, uh, to give them their portion of meat in due season. You know, I happen to have this little book here. And in this little book, I heard a fella yesterday, in fact, sitting right about where I'm standing. And in answer to the question about, um, In answer to to uh, to the question, how would you define the biblical role and function of the pastoral office? And the second section says, primary responsibilities of the pastor. And here's what that young man said to me yesterday and to several of us. The word translated feed means to tend as a shepherd, to care for sheep, to lead with the implication of providing for it is, a, it is the pastor's responsibility as an agent of Christ to provide for the spiritual needs of his people, in particular to feed them the Word of God. That sounds to me like what the Lord's saying right here. I need somebody to take the lead, be the ruler of the household, and I need somebody who will feed the people when the time is right. I think there's a real application of what Jesus is saying here to the ministry. We need to understand what he's looking for. He says, Blessed that servant whom his Lord, when he cometh, shall find so doing. Of a truth I say unto you, that he will make him rule over all that he hath. But and if that servant say in his heart, My Lord delayeth his coming, and shall begin to beat the men servants and the maid servants, and to eat and to drink, and to, and to be drunken. I think what he's illustrating is he, here is if he gets off track. Maybe he's tired after 40 years of ministry, waiting for the Lord to come. And then he get tempted to maybe give up in some areas. Give way in some areas. Don't be so strong in some areas. You know what? He says, when the Lord comes and finds the one doing what he gave him to do, he said, he said, he's going to bless him. He'll give him more. He'll make him rule over much. But the Lord of that servant, he says, the Lord of that servant came in a day when he looketh not for him, an hour when he was not aware. And we'll, and we'll cut him asunder and will appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So he says, if he's not doing what I gave him to do, he said, there will be, there will be consequences. If he is doing what, I'm, what, I, what, I, uh, what I gave him to do, and then, I, 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 I want you to see, here's, here's the point. I'm getting to the main point I want to give you tonight. He says, And that servant which knew his Lord's will and prepared not himself, neither did according to his will, shall be beaten with many stripes. But he that knew not and did commit things worthy of stripes shall be beaten with few stripes. Now, uh, he just makes a point here. He says, look at." The guy that knew what he was supposed to do, the guy that had all the training, had all the understanding, had all the knowledge, he had all the all he was equipped. That guy, he turns away. He's gonna be in bigger trouble. The guy that didn't know so well, but he made some mistakes, he won't be in as much trouble. And then he says this. Here's my text. For unto whomsoever much is given of him shall be much required. Look at the next statement. And to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. I know this has been a relatively long introduction, but let me have a word of prayer for a moment, would you please? Father, I thank you so much for the opportunity to share this truth, and I pray that you would help not only Pastor Tyler, but others here, take to heart the things that will soon be said. In Jesus' name, amen. He gives us two thoughts here. He says, Number one, to whom much is given, of him shall much be, be uh, required. And then he, he, he refines it, in my opinion, a little straighter. He says, To whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. Pastor You've been committed much. I think of all that has gone into you in your young life. You're 25, right? Do you know I was saved when I was 22? 22 and a half. So at 22 and a half, almost 23 years old, I was such a brand new Christian. People talk about I didn't know the difference between the apostles and the epistles. Yeah, and I, 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 thought I, I, I didn't know anything. And I had been raised in a church was—I wasn't around the Bible at all. I was not taught salvation—you know, salvation by grace through faith. I wasn't taught any of that. I knew nothing about that. I thought you had to do your very best and hope you get to, you get to heaven based on how on how you lived your life. You have such a head start on people like me. At 25 years old. Uh, you're where I wasn't until I was 40. You have such a head start. But that carries with it some pretty heavy responsibility too. You've been trained. You've been instructed. You've been mentored. You've had examples in your life. You've got experience in your life. You've got books you've read. This has been brought to you by your dad and mom by your grandparents. I know the way you were raised and I know the way you were trained in the home. Your teachers, I mean teachers at all levels, science school teachers, you know, teachers through the, through the years of school, you see, teachers in college, all the people, it's innumerable the number of people who have put things into your life, other pastors and friends of your family I, I, you know, I'm, 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 uh, I'm not, I'm not prideful, but I'm proud to be one of those, and that's the group I'm talking about now. Those people, you know, the pastor Arbo's in your life, the pastor Donnelly's in your life, the, the other, one, the, the, the pastors, the pastor, uh, brother Oxendine. Those people, and the people are here, but not only that, you've had people, you've had mentors, mentors in your, in your church, some of the, some of the very men of your church have been people who have helped you and mentored you and encouraged you and strengthened you. My, you've had a lot put into you. And my Bible says, to whom men have committed much, of him they will ask the more. I believe we have a biblical right to ask more from you than the average Christian. I believe we have the right to expect more from you than from the average Christian. To be honest with you, I don't think we have the right to expect more from you than the average young pastoral student. I went to college. When I got when I got to Bible College in 1977, I was uh, I was 24 years old. And I'm starting Bible college. And again, know nothing. And uh, everything was new to me. Um, I had a had a had a professor one time tell us how the, the sons of God in Genesis chapter 6 could absolutely not be angels. There's no way in the world. Some people think they're angels. Couldn't be. Impossible. And he gave three reasons why. He said, everything reproduced after its own kind. In heaven would be like the angels, we need to marry or give it a marriage. So he gave a couple, there was a the third reason, I can't remember what it is right now. And I'm thinking, what kind of liberal, what kind of Bible you know, you know, uh, 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 denier would believe that those were angels? I went to my next class, it was on the book of Hebrews. And my Hebrews teacher got up and said, oh, we're in this portion where now is that Christ is greater than the angels. We're going to study about angels. I love the study of angels. You can find angels everywhere in your Bible. Let me show you. Go to Genesis chapter 6. And my next teacher at the same Bible college talked about how though the sons of God, those were angels. And I'm go- I was so confused. I was such a rookie. By the time I got to Bible college, you were already pastoring here, age-wise. People have given you much. You've had much invested in you. And more. If I left anybody out that's had a part in his life, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to, but I'm saying all the different people in your life that have invested in you. I think think we qualify for that first half of that verse, first half of that statement. To whom men had given much. I think together as a group, we've given you much. It's not a prideful statement. I think it's an analytical and honest statement. So then the Bible says we have the right to ask more. So here's my whole message. I've got three points. We're asking more. We're asking more from you, more than the next guy, more than somebody else so you can say how better you are. No, 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 no. It's not that kind of, it's not a competition. It's not that sort of thing. I believe we have the the right to ask more than the average. I think we have the right to ask more than even even what what you in in your own flesh might feel like is enough. I believe we have the right to ask more. And so here's what here's what we're asking tonight. More in a sense of a deeper dependence on God's word than the average person. A deeper dependence on God's word. Folks, listen, listen, listen. Listen, this ought to be the final authority of your life. You say, well, Pastor, we'll preach something. If you find that in, you, that, that, that in God's word I made a mistake, you scrap what I said and you follow God. God's always first. His word is always first. I had, a, had an old man. He was, the, he was the, uh, the old preacher's preaching when I got saved. And... uh and, and, and he, he was at my ordination. I was so excited he was there. He was on the ordination council. He's one of those to ask questions. And, uh, he meant so much to me. He came up and he placed his hands on my head when I was being ordained. And he leaned over and he whispered. He said, Brother Greg, this was given to me the night I was ordained. So I'm passing it on to you now. You stay close to the word of God and the God of the word will stay close to you. What he said was true. The times I have felt distant from the Lord, I can go back and I can see I've become distant from my Bible. Maybe I just was reading a few pages or a few, a few chapters each day just to do my duty, but I, my focus was somewhere else. I've, I've had at times to have to get back to my Bible and renew my commitment to my Bible. To beg God to speak to me as I read it psalm eight psalm, psalm one nineteen and verse eighteen it says um, says um, oh i'm going to draw a blank on it um, open, open thou mine heart that I you, uh, wondrous things out of thy law i'm not getting exactly right. I quoted this afternoon while I was thinking about it, but i'm messing up now, but it's a prayer that begs God to open my heart that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. More than I need any day of my life, more than I need food, more than I need water, more than I need friends, more than I need cash, more than I need anything else in my life, I need the touch of God's hand upon my life. And the way he does it, for me, is through his word. Be dependent upon the word of God. You sang the song. This book of Law proud of thy mind for thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to according to all that's written therein. for then thou shalt make the way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. I think you know this that the only time in the Bible the word uses uh, the Bible uses the word success is in that verse, one time it so and it's connected with your time in the word of God. And not just being in the word of God to read it and say you read it. But to be in it, to read it, and to apply it to your life. To do what is written therein. Make the Bible. Make the Bible the key to your everyday existence. I know one famous preacher said, he said, I, he said years ago I, I, I made the plan, no Bible, no breakfast. He said, I never ate any day until first I read my Bible. I don't know if that ever took him to lunch or dinner or if he ever just fasted that day. I don't know. But that was his rule for his life. No Bible, no breakfast. He said that was a higher priority to feed himself on on, uh, on other words. What we're asking of you is a deeper dependence on God's word. Secondly, a greater commitment to God's ways. You can put him, says next to that, God's priorities. God's priorities. We read some of those verses said, in, uh, verse, uh, in chapter 12, here in verse 21, where the Lord said, uh, uh, He said, So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. He said the priority is God. The priority is, 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 is what's my relationship with God like? What's my prayer life like? What's my walk with God like? What's my testimony like? He said, "Doing things God's ways." He said in that uh, in that passage in this chapter earlier. He said uh, he said to seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added. He said he said God can handle things. You need things. God can give you things. I was in a staff meeting one day, and I didn't know how we were going to pay our uh, I didn't know how we we're going to pay our our our, our payroll. It was going to be uh, it was going to be due on uh, on Monday. They're supposed to get paid. And what we had at the time, and what our average Sunday offerings were, we're not going to make enough. We're not going to be enough money to pay salaries. So I'm at staff meeting, and I'm telling our staff, I'm saying, I'm saying, look at um, uh, if something doesn't happen between now and Sunday, we'll not be able to to give you your paychecks on Monday. I just try to get them ready. If they need to go and get a job, whatever we need to do. I just uh, and and so and so it literally here's oh, what happened now, you 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 don't you don't have to believe it. you say oh that's one of those stories they tell no 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 this is really what happened and uh, were you there brother Donnelly was there he can attest to it that I'm not lying okay because I lie so much you know just, anyway um uh, uh but 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 uh, but but uh, I I normally turn my phone off when when we go into staff meeting I forgot that day. So it was on, I didn't realize it, and I said this. I said, folks, I need to let you know that if something doesn't happen, and I heard the phone ring in my pocket, and I'm still kind of tired. I said, if "If something doesn't happen, we're not going to be able to make the payroll on Monday. And I looked at the phone, there was another preacher calling. I didn't mean to have my phone on, but it was. So I decided I was going to. So I just finished that statement. As I was pulling the phone out and looking at it, I finished that statement. I said, We won't be able to make the payroll on on Monday. And I said, Let me just take this call, see what he needs real quick. Okay? And so I took, took the call. That preacher said to me, He said, Hey, preacher! He said, uh, I want you to know that, um, uh, that a member of our church told us that uh, they wanted to, they were going to send you some money. And. I just put a check for $10,000 in the mail this morning. So you should get it tomorrow or Friday. And I said, Well, thank you. That's good to know. I put my phone away. And I turned to the people at the table and I said, Well, something just happened. You know, God's never been late, seldom early. Sometimes the last minute, but never late. You can depend upon the Lord. You just need to learn to do things His way. His way. We're asking more. What? A deeper dependence on God's Word. We're asking more. What? A greater commitment to God's ways. Pastor Holly, when you're convinced... In your own heart, your own mind, in your own privacy, in the study of God's word, when you're convinced that something is right, is righteous, is godly, don't let anybody sway you from that. They'll t- they'll they'll call you names. I told you I said I'm a dinosaur. Now they call me a dinosaur. That means that means you know I'm a rare breed. I'm dying off. We're dying off. People believe like I believe. And so I decided, you know what? If I'm going to be a dinosaur, I'd like to be a fun one. I want to be a pterodactyl. That's a flying dinosaur. I mean, if you're going to be a dinosaur, might as well fly. Doesn't that sound like fun? You know? And uh, so, so, so you know, I'm going to embrace it. If people want to say that I'm old-fashioned, that's okay. So is this book. I'm saying, don't let people sway you. Do things God's way. God's way. Okay? A deeper uh, dependence on God's word. A greater commitment to God's ways. You know why I'm saying those things? I've watched how the world has changed in my 40 years of ministry. I have no concept if the Lord doesn't return what you're going to deal with. No idea what you're going to deal with. But I know God will be with you. And when God's involved, you're on the majority side. So, stay true to what you've been taught. Stay true to what you believe. Stay true to what the Word of God teaches you. A, a deeper dependence on God's Word. A greater commitment to God's ways. And thirdly, a stronger faithfulness to God's work. Remember what, uh, what the Lord said when He answered Peter? Peter said... Um, He said, Lord, speakest thou this, this parable unto us or even at all? And the Lord said, who then is that faithful and wise steward? Faithful. We need to understand that God's looking for people that he can, he, he can count on. God's looking for people who will, who will do the things he's asked them to do. Faithful to do what we just spoke a few minutes ago. On. Faithful to rule the household. Be a righteous leader. Faithful to feed them in due season. I heard a fellow was talking about uh, about uh, people in the church and said there's some people that were that were that were you you kind of you you uh, uh, you being mean and, and, and bad attitude toward the preacher and being critical and different and stuff. And, um, and uh, I read a book. And um, the book was about a shepherd. And a, guy, a guy went to, went to, uh, to, uh, uh, to Israel and got with a, with a Jewish shepherd. And he just asked if he could wander around with him for a couple of days. And so he did. And he asked him questions about what he did and questions about the role of a shepherd in sheep's life. And one of the things he asked him was, he said, we'll, we'll, we'll he, said, he said, now we, we've always heard sheep are docile. Will sheep bite? He said, oh yeah, sheep will bite. But what you have to understand is, there's really only two conditions under which sheep bite. One is, if they're sick. If they're sick, they'll bite. And sometimes you're going to run into people who are spiritually sick. They're not right with God. They're selfish, and they may bite. You've been bitten. Any preacher who's been around very long has been bitten from people we love, people we care about, but they've gotten sick. They've gotten away from God, and they'll bite. So there's a second condition in which sheep will bite. They'll bite when they're hungry, if you're not feeding them properly. sick or hungry I need to look at myself am I feeding the sheep well am I doing what I need to do as far as being faithful in my study being faithful in my closet am I praying am I studying am I preparing am I doing my part to make sure they're being fed well and then the second question is are they sick what can I do to help them how can I pray for them Can I do anything to restore them? That's where my faithfulness comes in. We need to understand. We're asking of you, Tyler, a deeper dependence on God's word, a greater commitment to God's ways, and a stronger faithfulness for God's work. That's the charge I want to offer you tonight. And that's the challenge I'd like to pass on to every one of you tonight. Where are you in those areas of your life? How deep is your dependence on God's Word? How great is your commitment to doing things God's ways? How strong is your faithfulness to God's work? To the duties you've been given, if you're a science school teacher, if you're a choir member, if you're, uh, I was, uh, how, how, what's your faithfulness like? What about as a Christian, just being faithful to church? Now, I'm assuming the group I'm talking about here tonight is the group that goes to church, but, but let me encourage you. We're not supposed to forsake the assembling of God's, you know, of God's people. And so let me encourage you. Take these same questions, apply them to your life. And I hope tonight I've offered you some encouragement to put a greater importance on the things you already believe, on the things you already stand for. Father, thank you so very much for the Word of God. Thank you that you give us a simple verse like, to whom much is given, much is required. Two men have given much. They they, they ask the more. Tonight, we're asking people to simply recognize how much you have given them, how much the people in their life that led them to the Lord, that taught them in Sunday school, that pastored them, that discipled them, how much people have put into their life. And that we would take the challenge. To give the more. Well, thank you for it. Thus, remainder of this evening, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.